I'm Joanna Walsh. I'm here at the Irish Writers' Centre to talk to Sally Rooney, who is a writer living in Dublin. She's probably the youngest writer in Granta's Island issue. Uh, she doesn't yet have a complete book out, but she does have a work in progress. And she was featured poet in the spring 2015 issue of The Stinging Fly. Her non-fiction has appeared in the Dublin Review. Her short fiction was featured in the anthology Winter Pages, and of course um, she has a story in Granta. Um, you write poetry, essay, short fiction, you're working in a novel. I found that a lot of Irish writers work across genre, and I wonder whether that's something to do with the opportunities afforded by the range of, of magazines, of literary journals that are out there. Oh, I think that's certainly true, actually. Um, and I wonder, to, to some extent, if all young writers, or many young writers at least, probably experiment with genre before they settle on something, if indeed they ever settle on something, um, that they feel is like their form. Um, and I'm lucky to have had this sort of publishing experience that I've had so far in Ireland, and I think it is largely facilitated by um, the great journals that are out there and mm -hmm. their willingness to publish young writers. Um, we first met at Noleg Mon, uh, the Women's Christmas event at the Irish Writers' Centre in January, in which eight women writers spoke about women and, and, and writing, mostly Irish writing. Um, I was very impressed because at that event you read uh, from notes, which is something I personally could never do. Um, but I found out that from your essay in the Dublin Review, even if you beat me, uh, you say, when I was 22, I was the number one competitive debater on the continent of Europe. I was fascinated by this experience and how it, it relates to, to your writing. Uh, yeah, it's, I, I had great fun writing uh, that essay, and um, the editor, Brendan Barrington, was fantastic to work with in the Dumb Review. Um, yes, I was, I was an avid competitive debater in, uh, in college, which is something slightly embarrassing, really, to admit. Um, <laughs> and it's interesting to wonder the extent to which it sort of influenced my writing, because, of course, both of them are deeply concerned with language, what we can do with language and how effectively we can do it. Um, I liked a bit where you say, um, you said of writing these debate speeches under a very great pressure in very short amounts of time. You think the concepts and then the concepts express themselves. You hear yourself constructing syntactically elaborate sentences one after another, but you don't necessarily have the sensation that you are the person doing it. I think that's very... That's probably very similar to my experience of writing prose, uh, particularly. And I wonder if it has something to do with, in, in the essay, I sort of discussed the idea of flow state, this right. sort of state that you just click into and you feel that something is being channeled through you. Um, that's probably a very vague and silly way of putting it, but that you feel you're sort of at one with yourself and you're doing something um, that just suits you perfectly in that moment. And that's something that I, I was lucky to experience in debating, and it's something I definitely experience when writing is going well. And for me, it's almost always a state that is concerned with language and using words. I was really interested in a lot of the things that you said about women in writing in that essay. You said for, for women, women speaking, even just opening her mouth in public is something rash, a transgression. Was that quoting Sisu? Was that, that was that quoting Sisu, yeah, that's the last yes, thing we do. It reminds me of, of something else I read recently, um, Catherine Angel's recent um, piece, Fuck Philosophy, uh, which she wrote for Queen Mary University of London. Uh, she quotes the philosopher Justine McGill about women who have repeated experiences having, of having speech acts fail. So I, I was wondering about women speaking and writing, um, what, 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 and, and of course your speech at Non-Egnemon. Yeah, I, I wonder the extent, I'm not sure, um, the extent to which I, I'm confident of the idea that women speaking is always transgressive. I think to a large extent, 
um, women can learn to speak and write in ways that mimic traditionally masculine forms mm-hmm. and I think the fact that the, that the speaker happens to be a woman or that the writer happens to be a woman doesn't necessarily make those forms transgressive in and of itself mm-hmm. so I suppose what I'm trying to do is to find ways of expressing myself which try to subvert those forms uh, in order to make the speech act or the writing act transgressive in a way but it's difficult because we're, we're trapped in those forms I think or so at you, least I you do want writing to be transgressive I do <laughs> yes. yes that's fantastic um I'm interested in also what you say about things like emotion and the bodies in your short stories, um, Mr. Salary, which is will be the story in Granta, and After Ellen and Left, the two short stories I've read by you. Um, there's a kind of alienation from the body. Um, I know that Sisu in the, the Love of the Medusa certainly was talking about reintroducing the body into writing and that this was a, a strategy women could use. Um, you say... Um, you're talking, you talk about my blood formation system working as, as usual, my cells maturing and dying at a normal rate. There's this feeling of, of, of separation from the body, of a, an ability to stand back from it and, mm-hmm. and evaluate it. Um, I was also interested in, in your Dublin Review essay. You say, if you're a girl, judges don't want to know you're smart. They want to know that you care. So I was interested in this, 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 this worry that you had about speaking in passion as well. And it's... It's a concern that I return to pretty much constantly, probably not only in my writing, but in my actual life. Mm-hmm. The extent to which, um, as a woman, you feel that expressing emotion or attempting to live empathically is sort of facilitating the ideal of womanhood, which is based around caring and often mm-hmm. thankless caring and oh, yes. thankless emotional <laughs> labor. And that by trying to be an emotional or caring person or to embody those concepts in your work, you're in fact facilitating that idea of womanhood. So how can we sort of map out a way of um, expressing emotion and expressing the importance of intimacy and empathy without reiterating those ideals. It's very interesting in your stories um, there's a lot of dialogue as in the extract we've just heard but the dialogue is often quite ineffectual as a conveyor of emotion Um, it seems quite dialectic uh, playful but um, it often doesn't say what the protagonists want to say it has you contrast it with internal monologue in which uh, you can see what the the characters are really thinking or sometimes not at all as in um, after Ellen and the left we're we're left to infer what 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 the real state of these people is we, we hear them talking and we know that the talking is fairly superficial I'm very I, I love writing dialogue and I'm very interested in um, speech act and I love listening to people talk and I like and I like talking um, and I, I, I do I'm interested in what we are communicating when we're not necessarily communicating so much, yeah <laughs> at least in superficial terms we're not communicating what we seem to be thinking about but then what is it that our words are doing and mm-hmm. what are we communicating to each other and I think power operates as you say, in a sort of dialectic fashion in those exchanges of dialogue, even if it's not doing it in a very explicit way. Um, I think there is a sort of operation of power in the way we exchange words with each other. I really like in your Dublin Review essay where you talk about the, the, the kudos that you got from winning these debating competitions, and you say, I don't think I will ever again want something so meaningless so much and something to do with the meaningless of the words and the meaningless of the way you covered the debates, the topics, in, in a kind of very superficial way because of lack of time you were just given the topics minutes before you had to speak Um, but to bring that back to 
to something else that I found really fascinating, that I say is your description of a minor traffic accident when you were on a debating contest in India. You say, um, we all felt overwrought, not because the accident itself was so bad, but because something we had taken for stable was now not stable. A little seal of protection had ruptured. This didn't feel like something we'd agreed to. And I love that after all the words, after all the things that are meant to convey meaning, what seems to be at the heart of this is this is this little rupture of stability, this kind of absence of something which is almost indescribable. Yeah, and I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm glad that you sort of picked up so much from that. I think I was struggling to express that kind of complexity. Um, so thank you for crediting the essay with that, with that exploration. Mm. I, I, and I, I am interested by how, um, how we're encouraged to place meaning in um, certain forms of achievement and accolade. I think academically it's quite similar. We're encouraged really from a very, very young age to think of ourselves as um, students and to evaluate our performance in life either by how much money we're making or by what kind of grades we're getting or by some other sort of mm-hmm. external metric. And how, you know, those moments where we draw away from those systems and realise that they don't exactly express our value, mm-hmm. um, that kind of rupture interests me a lot. Yes, I like um, the two short stories are really about very relationships that are very difficult to define. The characters don't really know what their relationships with the other characters are. These are kind of romantic relationships on the whole. They have and, and also friendships. But um, but what what you have to express again is this kind of inexpressible thing, or what you describe is, is relationships that don't have names. Yes, and that's something that I I think that's present in almost all my fiction. The idea that relationships constantly take forms that don't really fit into um, categories that we use to describe those relationships, that we use words like um, boyfriend or husband or, mm-hmm. or even like daughter or sister, and we believe that those convey a meaning about a particular um, human relationship when in fact the kind of intimacies that we develop as human beings are often complex and they kind of overrun those categories and become weird <laughs> and not quite right weird relationships. Uh, yeah weird yeah, relationships that's, that's sort of what I'm interested good. in yes. um, can you tell me about your, your work in progress anything yeah I can tell you a little about it so uh, it's it's a novel it's a sort of well it's a novel novel shaped work of prose um, and it's sort of it concerns a young woman a college student who starts uh, and enters into an affair with a married man uh, who's a little older than her about 10 years older than her um, and it also concerns her very, very close best friendship with uh, with a young woman who used to be her girlfriend when they were in school. So again, it's very much a sort of, how do we label these relationships and what are these forms of intimacy? And it's also, I suppose, about observing how power operates within our personal relationships, often in ways that we would prefer it didn't. Mm, I'm, I'm really interested to finish with perhaps... If you can talk about something about how you feel you fit into the kind of Irish writing scene, or don't, or um, you know your place here, and also in relation to, to world writing, that's an interesting question. I think I feel very at home in the Irish writing scene because I know the people in it, and because they've been uh, very kind and supportive to me. So lots of figures in the Irish publishing world, um, I feel, have been supportive of me and of other young writers, and in that sense, I feel a real belonging in the sort of community of Irish writers. I'm not sure that I really have a sense of Irishness, or what that means. I think I probably grew up on the internet as much as I grew up 
in a particular geographical location, which is the west of Ireland. I didn't grow up in Dublin. Um, I moved here when I was 18 to go to, to college. And I never read exclusively Irish writers or, or had any preference for reading Irish writers mm-hmm. above, I suppose, I, I grew up reading American fiction largely. Yes, you have an MA in, in, in American literature. Yeah, yeah. Um, so that was sort of my area of interest where literature was concerned. I love the Irish literary scene because of the people who are in it mm-hmm. and the kindness that they've shown to me, but I don't necessarily feel that um, my writing is defined by a sense of Irishness or that I had any confidence to talk about what that sense of Irishness might be. Are there any writers from here that you'd particularly recommend that um, perhaps ones that haven't necessarily travelled across to Yeah, from UK here yet. is a complex word. Um, mm-hmm. Yes, that's very yeah. cool. I'm just trying to do shorthand. Yeah. Uh, Claire Louise Bennett's book, yes. Pond, mm-hmm. um, is it an Irish book? I suppose it probably is. I love that book. Um, I think it was just, just a fantastic sort of collection. Well, co- collection of stories is probably actually being too specific for whatever that book is. Um, I think that was an extremely fine piece of writing. And again, it's confusing to label it as Irish writing. I'm not sure that I would. Yes, but, um, I'm not sure she would, actually. No, <laughs> but it was published here. So uh, so that's the, that's the one that springs to mind. Okay, thank you very much, Sally Rooney. Thank you very much, Joanna.